Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast, the show that features artists, entrepreneurs, experts, and commentators that will give you the right knowledge, planning, and guidance so you can preserve your assets and enjoy your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at wealthactually.com. And now, here's your host, Fraser Rice. Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast. I'm Fraser Rice. You may have seen Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just had a Twitch session where she played Among Us, which is a video game. She had 435,000 concurrent viewers, 3 million views so far, and she now has an account with over 500,000 followers. The days of games being played in basements by young boys is long over, and women are now a big part of the picture. Today, we're going to talk with Rebecca Dixon. She's the co-founder of GameHers, which is an online presence dedicated to the female gaming community. Rebecca, welcome aboard. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We couldn't have timed this any better with the AOC news. It's gotten a lot of press that she's part of the gaming community and views that as an important part of her branding in many ways. But tell us a little bit from your perspective, a little bit about your background and how you became interested in the gaming world. So yeah, my background, professionally, my background is in advertising, advertising sales, media buying. I spent a lot of years doing that. But the past 10 years, I founded a company with two of my co-founders called Mommy Bites. And Mommy Bites was a company that created a community for expectant and new moms. And we were able to grow that company and sell it in 2016. And so all of us were trying to think, what should we do next? We have a real passion for amplifying women. And interestingly, we all had some sort of adjacencies to the gaming world. From my perspective, my dad and my brother are part owners of the esports Team Envy and the Dallas Fuel. So esports and gaming has been a Thanksgiving dinner family conversation for me for many years. And just like you mentioned, with the huge Twitch stream um, from AOC just yesterday, gaming and esports, some people still think of it as a niche industry, and it's not at all. It's bigger than the movie and the music industry combined. And so for that reason, it was just fascinating to me. One of my other co-founders was doing some video game toy design in working with the visionary Al Khan, who brought Pokemon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a number of other 80s iconic brands to the US. We have our other co-founder, Laura, who was the original founder of Mommy Bite. So she's the real superstar in community building. And our fourth co-founder, Verda, has 25 years of experience in racial justice and social activism. So you take all of those sort of backgrounds and a few of us work together And then we started learning more about the gaming industry and the size of it, like I just mentioned, and also the place of women in it. And we just found a niche for ourselves. It's interesting. You've got this great soup of co-founders that really, you know, I think you've got sort of a mix of technical expertise, real expertise in terms of the inclusivity component of it too, which is what you're trying to, in a sense, I'm not sure this is the right word, but fix in the gaming industry. We have this problem in the wealth management world where I think the stat is 30 to 32% of the advisors in the space are women, which is just not representative of the gender of wealth. I think it's over 50% of the wealth is going to be controlled by women within the next five to 10 years. But also from the uh, sort of racial perspective, the numbers are far worse. And it seems to me gaming kind of comes from that same 
old boys Silicon Valley network in that what you're trying to do is in a way expand people's thought process about gaming, how it should be looked at, and then really help to monetize that for the people who are participating in it, uh, gender aside. There's so much to that question, but just to give you a few statistics right off the bat, in 2020, there are 2.7 billion gamers. The statistic is quoted between 46 and 48% of them are female. So then you look at, for example, developers, people who develop the games for gamers to play. And again, the statistic is quoted a little differently now and then, but let's say it's around 12%, or even if it's a little higher than that, it's not anywhere close to 50 And then you look at the fact that the gaming industry is a $149 billion industry. There are a lot of things. Number one, more women should be developing games for women because more women are playing them. I mean, that's one thing. Number two, if it's such a big industry, there are many aspects to that number, but if it's such a big industry, more women should be able to profit from it. And that's one of the reasons that We started our company not only to, we sort of have our core gamer target, which I'll get into more about what we're exactly doing, but we also have another target of women who work in or want to work in the gaming industry because there's a lot of opportunity there. And as you said, when you bring in the racial aspect of it, it's even worse. So all of that goes into kind of why we started our company. So maybe take us through a little bit about what Gamers does and what services you provide, because I could probably ask a ton of questions about, you know, how does it apply to social media and all that? Maybe we center it first on what you do and then sort of figure out how the platforms work around that or in conjunction with that. Yeah. So right when we first started researching gaming and just learning a little bit more, and we started doing some research and we, because of our interest in amplifying women and celebrating women and trying to make situations better for women where possible, we thought, okay, well, who's working on this? Because it's such a big industry. Somebody's doing it, right? And what we found is a lot of nonprofits, which are doing incredible work, and we have great relationships with them, with most of the ones that we have connected with so far. But we didn't find any sort of for-profit community that A, provided jobs, B, provided sort of information. So What we say is that we're an outward-facing media platform that celebrates and highlights women in gaming. And then internally, we provide a community to those women in gaming. So what we specifically do is we have a, we launched in March of 2020, we have a very active website that has a number of sections, but a couple that I'll mention are Career Spotlight, where we highlight esports lawyers, game developers, women in, you know, who work for different publishers and just different careers that you can have. We also have gamers from our community writing posts for us on our website just to talk about a whole host of different issues that come up for women who game. And the gaming industry, being that it's so big, has a lot of different facets to it. A couple of examples are we have a great relationship with the Center for Suicide Awareness because Gaming is actually a really big tool for suicide prevention and mental health. A lot of people use gaming to escape or to recover from trauma. So all of these are kind of things that we have on our website. Another um, tool that we use to, again, act as that outward-facing media platform is a podcast. And our podcast is hosted by Kylie Vernoff, who plays Susan Grimshaw in Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm not sure if you were a gamer, Fraser, but... um, Unfortunately, I sign many of my emails that come from my phone as sent by my Atari 2600. Uh, yeah. And so once you get past River Raid and maybe some Nintendo and Sega, I start to evaporate on that front. But 
Yeah, I'm probably drifting back in, being able to play certain things on your phone to pass the time, try to keep your mind sharp. That's where the tractor beam has sort of come back for me. That's a big part of it, to be honest, too. But anyway, Red Dead Redemption 2, the game that Kylie is in, they do not have a presence in esports, so they're not a professional game. But in terms of a video game, it is the most popular game in the world. So we are very lucky to have Kylie as our host, and she in turn is able to bring a lot of her co-stars on who star in League of Legends and Overwatch and all these big games. So that's just a way for, you know, the women who listen to our podcast and men. We also love and support men who support what we're doing. They can learn from the podcast about sort of that side of the industry. And then we have a presence on all the social networks because gamers, the majority of them, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, which we can get into in a little bit, Twitch, our ultimate sort of way to be out in the community as a service for women who game is that we have an app launching in 2021. So the app is going to connect gamers, women gamer to each other's to play. So that's kind of what we do. You're in the process of building this community and a lot of other tech forums do that. They build a community of significant size. It becomes a place that's trusted by the community to either take in information, get support, maybe find opportunities, either employment or otherwise within the space. How do you look at it from a business perspective? And once you've kind of come to the size of the community and the depth of the community that you want, what do you do with it at that point? It's a good question. I mean, right now, where we are in our life cycle is a complete growth company. We're just looking to get the word out about what we're doing because. Quite frankly, when we are able to get the word out about what we're doing, whether it's through organic outreach, social media, or partnerships with industry companies, it's an easy sell. I mean, everybody who knows how many women in gaming there are and how many wonderful women in gaming there are is aligned with the mission because, of course, they would be. So we're a fully growth company now. I think sort of stage two, and this is going to become really important in 2021, is With the launch of our app, we are going to be able to provide a service that with the thousands of women that we have interviewed and talked to and met, uh, they're looking for is a safe place where there's no sort of some of the harassment that exists, unfortunately, in gaming for women. They're looking for a safe space to meet other women to play games. And so it's going to be just like a, you could think of it like a dating app. They're going to meet, you know, my name is Rebecca. I want to play League of Legends tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And then, you know, you can create some groups and have a social network aspect of it. But once we have that app launched, it's going to be free. And we're hoping that through all of our different channels, that a percentage of them will convert to downloading the app. And then there will be an upgrade. So that's sort of our next phase of company lifecycle. Really cool. And I have to say from, at least I would intuit from an advertiser's perspective, the people that join on, the data behind them, the demographics they represent, et cetera, are a goldmine that you can figure out what to do with at some point, but you couldn't be more targeted or more engaged than something like that. You can probably track it down to the seconds, to the types of weapons they pick up in a game situation or something like that. All of that information is pretty interesting to a lot of people, I would think. Yeah. So you just hit on our other two revenue streams, Um, (laughs) advertising and sponsorships is going to be another big part of it because just across all of our platforms, we have an awards show that's running right now. I'll tell you a little bit about it later, but we have sponsorships associated with things like that. And then, you know, whenever the world opens up again, we'll have events in person. And we also will plan to have some in 2021, some virtual events. So 
it's a really neat industry because like you said, we're going to have a demographic that is desirable, not only for endemic brands, like you have the headsets and the software and all that stuff, but really all sorts of brand categories are interested in female gamers. Why? I mean, one reason is that the female gaming population is so huge. Yes, they're female gamers, but they also like a lot of other things. So some of the categories that we expect to be really big in terms of advertising, one is beauty. And the reason for that, it, that's already happening, by the way, we know that will be a big one because there's a big crossover in the beauty and the gaming world as some female streamers have become female influencer streamers. So an example is you can picture somebody holding their controller with a really cool manicure that has little game images and emojis and stuff on each nail or just lipstick. I mean, the beauty industry is going to be a big deal. Another one is wellness because there's a big initiative right now to make sure that people who are gaming X number of hours per week are also being healthy. And so the wellness industry is really targeting gamers. Then you have things like athleisure, because what could be more comfortable to game in than athleisure? And of course, the energy drinks, because you can game all day. So the list goes on and on. Uber Eats, so you can continue to eat. I went to a panel the other day, and I heard the CEO of a big gaming league speak. And she said, yeah, it's funny. Some of my clients were asking me, or potential clients were asking me, ah, I don't really know if my consumers game. And she said, well, do your consumers watch movies? Because the gaming industry is a lot bigger than the movie industry. So it's just sort of flipping that conversation around. It feels like virtual real estate to me. It touches everything in every industry. So it's almost sort of the imagination is the only thing holding you back as far as who should be interested in this type of sort of demographic collection and community building. Yeah, it's totally fascinating. The more I dive into it deeper, the more interesting it gets. And to your point about knowing exactly everything about the gamers, that piece of it is even more fascinating because when you think about it, you have all these women who are gaming and then you have all these game publishers, particularly with the current social justice movement happening. And there was a little, not little, a big resurgence of the Me Too movement in the gaming world that happened in June, it didn't really get mainstream press, but it was huge in gaming. Basically, like over 150 women came out on Twitter in one day and mentioned some pretty terrible stories. So because of all this, there's a big initiative among the publishers to right the wrongs. They want to make the situation better. They want to hire more women. They want to make games more appealing to women. But the problem is, if you hire more women but you still have not a great culture, then they're not going to stay. So and in order to have women be creating games, you need to hire them and have them stay at your company. So we're going to have a big community of female gamers. And by the way, there's a huge overlap in female gamers and females who would like to be game developers. I mean, huge. So it's two demographics, but they overlap. And these women want to be heard. They're willing to share their data. We know that because they would like it to get back to the gaming companies to develop the games they want and to hire them. So our sort of third and longer term revenue stream is that data set that we're hopeful we can collaborate with the game companies and who knows else, who knows who else, the brands and things like that. One of the cool things you mentioned before was the idea of awards ceremonies and having that sort of community to celebrate the people who rise up and become the Serena Williams or Sue Birds of the various games and so on. How do you think about that? Because you're going to be, you've got a 
collection of people that you're developing, they're going to be superstars that rise out of that. How do you take advantage or recognize them and then maybe prepare them to transcend gaming into other things? So it sounds like that's what you're doing from a business model perspective. Are you thinking about personal development of those few superstars or is that something you'll figure out later? No, it's something we're doing right now. And we're actually, I'm so happy that you and I are talking today because I have some really exciting news that'll answer that question. So from March until about July, we launched our company and our website and our podcast were sort of our own. But other than that, we needed to build a presence on all the social networks because that's where the gamers are. However, to your point, with a mission that says we celebrate and amplify women in gaming, we thought, well, we really need to do that in a big way. So we created the Gamer Awards and the Gamer Awards launched in September. And basically there are five overall categories that include things like industry, esports, community, cosplay, which for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's where people dress up like their favorite game character. And it's a really big deal in the gaming industry, especially at all the conferences like Comic-Con, which is a huge thing. Even in the virtual world where we live, it's still a big deal. So anyway, our Gamer Awards have five categories and then five awards within each of those categories. And again, the awards span both sort of the industry side of it, like development, and the gaming side of it. So for example, we have Best Twitch Streamer, Best Gaming Community. So we launched the awards in September, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's an opportunity for our community to nominate people who they think are superstars. And then we ended the nomination period, and we started the voting period this week. And so now... All of those people, and again, they're across the spectrum. Some of them sort of already have a little bit of a following on Twitch and have sort of started to be influencers, and some of them not at all. We got 35,000 votes within 48 hours. And our voting period, by the way, goes for three more weeks. So we've gotten a lot of positive feedback that the nominations were community-based. Our voting period is sort of two parts. It's community-based. And we have a committee that is going to add a couple of nominees to go to the final round. But the purpose of this is to tell you, yes, we want to celebrate women who are doing great things in gaming, because even though it shocks people that 50% of gamers are women, you know, 48%, there already are a lot of awesome things going on in the gaming world that are being done by women. And so we feel like if we highlight those, then that'll be number one, great for those people. And number two, it'll also be an inspiration to high school and college gamers, which is, it's an important piece of it. Because if you don't think that you have sort of any future, or if you don't think anybody else games, it's like, if you can't see it, how do you even know it's there? As I think about it a little bit, my mind is racing forward. I think about what Barstool Sports did in terms of developing their community, obviously far different in terms of demographics, but then linking up with Penn Gaming. And they have that sort of cash cow over there on the betting side of things. And that may be something that turns into an option for you if you've got a community like that that's developing. That's going to be interesting to somebody. And and those sort of subscription type pure cash flow businesses sort of stitched onto what you've built there and what you're developing yourself, it seems like the sky's the limit. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And like I said before, our goal right now is to grow as much as possible. But while we grow, we want to maintain absolutely dedicated to 
what our original mission is because it's really important and it doesn't exist yet. So, I mean, it exists with us, but it didn't exist before that. So, I, you know, I'm a sort of middle-aged white guy and I'm pretty far removed from my gaming days, although interested in the topic. Who are the superstar female gamers that someone like me should keep an eye out for and could be male uh, superstar gamers as well that are in a sense, rising to the top of that space and then maybe transcending? So I think a really great person to follow, and she's probably the most famous, is a streamer named Pokimane. She has 3.1 million Twitch followers. She dropped out of chemical engineering in college because she was streaming and trying to become a chemical engineer. And she was realizing that uh, both of those take a lot of time. So she decided to treat her streaming from day one as a business. And of course, she loves to game. That's how she got into this. But she's also really curated her own brand in an incredibly successful way. So she's got all these followers. She's a real role model to a lot of young women, which is so important. And she talks all the time about that. But in addition to that, she's a brand ambassador for companies like HyperX, which is a headset. And she works with Companies like Intel, Geico, Hot Pockets. She's worked with the NFL. She really is, she's an extreme example. I mean, she's the one to follow. But she stands for, you know, she has good values and she considers herself an entrepreneur. She certainly is an entrepreneur. And the more that you see people like Pokimane, and of course there are many others, but she's a really good one. The more that younger girls and women can see that, the more I think that they think, oh, maybe there's hope for me. I mean, on the men's side of things, there are a lot of them. I mean, Ninja is the most famous one. Probably everyone knows Shroud is another one. But it's nice to see more and more people in the category of Pokimane. And these women are repped by the same agencies who rep movie stars, like Creative Artist Age, CAA, William Morris, UTA. And so, by the way, there are specific smaller specific gaming influencer agencies and individual streamers can also just go on Twitch and start streaming. But there's a brand that people can build around themselves and there are women who are doing it. So if there's anybody who was ever looking to do that for themselves, the best thing to do would be start following some of those women and also to just start a Twitch stream. And for those who haven't looked at the gamers website, there are a variety of gamers on there that uh, I started checking out and their stories are very interesting, but it's amazing kind of what they're doing with this phenomenon. It's pretty cool. It is. It's really, really neat. When you hear the backstory about a lot of the gamers, they're just like if you hear the backstory of women in any situation, they're all unique and they're all really interesting. But what I think is great about gaming, and again, what we're trying to do, and this goes for men and women in gaming, is that a typical gamer today is not that high school dropout in his aunt's basement, just complete deadbeat. That's just not what it is. I mean, gaming has, of course, you know, I mean, I'm a mother of elementary school kids. I obviously at times want to limit their screen time and things like that. But the positives that can come out of gaming are really incredible. I mean, I think I mentioned before, it's a tool that's used in suicide prevention. And obviously, as you know, the suicide rates among kids are so high today, unfortunately. It's used for a lot of mental health reasons. It's a great tool after trauma. It's also a very social thing. My kids and a lot of their friends, I don't know how they would have gotten through the pandemic without gaming because they can be on a game and interacting with their friends. 
then there are all these sort of specific skills that they learn, like problem solving and teamwork. And so it's really neat to see people like Pokimane, who's made a career out of it. And I think the more that we highlight people like her, the more that young kids can know that is an option. One of the things that I think a lot of people worry about with video games is everything from sort of promoting violence to hypersexualization. I imagine you have resources with your community to not only sort of provide support for people who have dealt with that, but also as a way to influence in your own right what's coming out from the gaming components and maybe standards of conduct or things like that. How do you think about those difficult issues and what you can do about them? First of all, there are ages on different games. Some games are not age appropriate for certain aged children. That's just absolutely true in the same way that a young child shouldn't watch an R-rated movie. That said, there are also so many different kinds of games. And so the kind of shoot 'em up game is one category. And yeah, that's what some people like. Again, that's sort of in the category of like an R movie. I think the hypersexualization is a really important issue and it is starting to be addressed from the game developer's perspective. It's a slow process, but the more you have women who are, like I said, role models becoming influential streamers, and they're not just doing it for their hypersexuality, the more that that becomes the norm. I think a few years ago, if you just Googled like top 10 female streamers and you were going to do it by their following, you know, their numbers on Twitch or Twitter or wherever you're looking for them. Unfortunately, some of those top 10 would have primarily male followers and they wouldn't really be streaming for the love. You know, they might like gaming, but it was more about that. And now as it's evolving, and especially as it's evolving with brand partnerships, people are taking a deep dive into who these people actually are, who are their followers, what are they doing, what do they stand for? And then in turn, the game companies are seeing that. So that's how we think about it. And I think the more and more that we meet our community, I mean, we talk to them all the time through surveys. We also talk to them a lot on Discord. I don't know if you're familiar with Discord. I wasn't before I got deep in this industry, but Discord has a very similar functionality to Slack. It kind of looks like Slack when you're in it, but it is where gamers talk. So interestingly, gamers love Twitter. They are often on Instagram too. Those are just like their social media. They stream on usually Twitch, sometimes YouTube and sometimes Facebook gaming, but they talk and they interact and they chat on Discord. So for example, the Gamers has a Discord channel. We launched our Discord channel in June and within six weeks had 2,600 members, which is big. That might not sound big compared to like a Twitter following or email newsletter list, but for Discord, those people are active daily. And then they have all these sub channels, again, kind of like Slack for anybody who uses Slack, all these sub channels. So again, when you think about what are gamers interested in, I mean, some gamers are interested in everything. There's gamer art, cooking, they put selfies, there's a diversity and inclusion channel, there's a Latinx channel. And so Why I'm telling you all this, number one, is because Discord is a really important part of the gaming industry. But number two, it's a really good way for us to get to know those 2,600 people in Discord are sort of our really core people. I mean, we're going to have about 100,000 people across all our platforms by the end of this year. But those are like the core people. And so we know what they want and what they're about. And it's just a really good way to get to know them. 
for some of my listeners who are in the finance world, maybe used to Slack, but in many ways, it's like having your Bloomberg terminal name. That's how people in the industry and in the trading world communicate a lot of times. That's morphed, obviously, Slack and even to some of the other social media channels. But it sounds like Discord is somewhat analogous to that type of scenario. It is. I should have used the Bloomberg analogy. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> so getting back to some of the big personalities, I sent a list of questions to you. and I'm pushing for you to put out a Hall of Fame of female gamers, especially ones that may have been early to the party and aren't quite as involved as they used to be. Is that something that's interesting to you or maybe trendsetters in the development world? There's a really fantastic woman who's named Brenda Romero. She is actually, we were lucky enough to have her on our podcast, our season two of our podcast this year, which actually just launched on the 19th of October. So just a couple of days ago, she is one of the, she's still big, but she was one of the sort of groundbreaking game designer and developers. Her resume is just incredible. She's worked on a ton of games and there actually is a, it's out of Women in Games. The organization is called Women in Games and they are based in Europe and there is a Hall of Fame and she is in it. So she's a really big name to watch. I would say she's really a critical person in the development world. And then you have Pokimane, who's the big streamer. There's work that needs to be done. I wish I could give you a name of a huge esports star in the US because there should be one. Women have not gotten into esports in the way they should yet. So maybe I can come back next year and have an update on that one. But while 50% of gamers are women, we haven't made the headway in the professional sports side of it yet. And I think it's for all the reasons that women don't think they can get into esports and they don't know that it's even possible to start an esports program at their school and things like that. So hopefully that will change, but we have some work to be done there. There are a lot of women too that I think are worth mentioning who, if you look across, and again, the gaming industry is so connected to gamers because there's just a big overlap. And so what's kind of neat about the women who are in it, even though we think like there aren't enough yet, that there are some who are amazing, right? And so you look at the women who are in it and they all kind of connect with each other and try to really make a difference. So they'll get together on panels and they will get together and speak at colleges. And a good example of somebody like that would be Anne Hand, who is the CEO of Super League Gaming. She's actually the one I mentioned earlier who was, I quoted as saying, dear consumers, watch movies to that question. She has been a real go-getter in the industry for promoting all of this promoting women gamers, promoting protagonists. And just, again, like if you can't see it, how do you know it's there? Promoting the fact that women can work in gaming, they can be gamers, they can be esports stars and things like that. So those are a few people I would keep your eye on because they're doing a lot of really cool stuff for women in this space. I'm analogizing it a little bit to poker, which would had also been a pretty male-dominated endeavor, still is in many ways. But the women who became stars in that, like Annie Duke, they've gone on to transcend and do a lot of other things. Sounds like that's what's on the horizon here. Well, there's another cool thing happening too, which is both in the music world and in the professional athlete world. So for example, Rihanna is a huge gamer and she's done a number of things professionally where she'll tweet different things about games and partner with different companies. And that kind of thing is really good for young girls who 
might be gamers and might follow Rihanna. And then suddenly they realize, oh, wait, she's a gamer. Like, it's cool to be a gamer. And then just something as little as that, like getting the idea of women gaming into the mainstream. Well, and then you have yesterday's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez playing Among Us on Twitch. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the example of all examples. But what's funny is that might have surprised me last year when I saw that news that that had happened yesterday. I was like, that's so smart of her. I mean, that's it was smart. And the other place that happens is in sports. So Ariel Powers is a big WNBA star, and she's also a gamer. And what's neat about this is, in her example, she's not just like someone who kind of likes gaming. Like, she's a really good, legitimate gamer. She's a streamer. So when the pandemic hit, and a lot of these athletes, and this happened with the men athletes as well, when they weren't playing, there were all of these pro athlete tournaments that came up. And what was neat about it is the pro athletes who then participated in the tournaments were good. And so that was just kind of neat to see. Again, not that that's so related to a gamer who's young and might want to become a streamer, but just it makes it seem like it's a more of a normal thing to do. It kind of just makes it fun and an everyday water cooler conversation. Really cool. How do we keep in touch with you and with uh, Gamers Progress? So we're a lot of places. Our website is www.thegamehers.com, gamers with an H. And all of our social media is that too. We have Instagram and Twitter at the gamers, Twitch at the gamers, Discord. And then if you join any of those, then you'll hear lots of news right now about our awards, which are deep in motion. And our awards are pretty neat because of each of those five categories that I mentioned. We have Twitch streams for each of them. And then we have a big finale with a lot of superstar gaming streamers in it. And so that's what's big on all of our platforms right now. And then in 2021, again, on any of those platforms, you'll be hearing a lot about the launch of our app. Awesome. I am going to have all of those links up on the show notes. So for people who are interested, that will be being just sort of pop in there and click on it and be able to see what you guys are up to. Great. Thank you so much, Fraser. This is so fun. Well, Rebecca, thank you. We'll end on one more fun question here. I'll start, which is, you know, what was my favorite video game growing up? And I always sort of remember Pitfall and River Raid and the old Activision ones, and then any of the old Atari ones that were sports oriented on up through Tecmo Bowl and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. But what was your favorite video game or what is your favorite one? Well, I think we're, you know, right around somewhere near the same age. I played Frogger with my brother on Atari and then also Super Mario Brothers on our Game Boy. And now I spend a lot of time playing Minecraft with my kids, which is really fun. That's great. Rebecca, thanks so much for coming on and really looking forward to seeing what Gamers does in the space and where you guys end up taking it. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wealth Actually, hosted by Fraser Rice, author of the book Wealth Actually and a leading private wealth manager. Head on over to wealthactually.com where you can subscribe to this podcast, get your own copy of the Wealth Actually book, and connect with Fraser directly. We'll see you next time on Wealth Actually.